Hello everyone, welcome to my show, Karyap Startup Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, and leaders who provide candid insights and wisdom from the personal journey to inspire you. And this is your host, Priyanka Komla, joining in on your 78th episode of Karyap Startup Leadership Podcast. With that being said, a special guest today from California is joining us. And here we go, Bibrajit Halder, who's the CEO of Safe AI. Hi, Bibrajit. Welcome to the hey, show. Priyanka. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How is it back there in a different time zone? It's doing well. Great weather outside. So sunny. So that's all good. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Bibrajit. I know as a startup entrepreneur, how valuable your time is. But I'm so glad you've taken it to help us understand your career journey and let us feel inspired from some amazing nuggets of wisdom, which I hope you'll be sharing as part of our episode today. Absolutely. No, you're doing a great job. I think this is in this time of, you know, everybody locked down. This is a great, great knowledge kind of. So thanks for doing this. That's that's amazing. Thank you so much. Likewise. And to our listeners who are watching this live or on replay, feel free to drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. And as part of our 12 days of Christmas giveaways, Bibrajit is giving away one free exclusive mentoring session. So if you're in the field of startup or if you're looking for mentorship from your career perspective, here's your chance to get that exclusive opportunity. So drop in that comment as we go through this episode. So Bibrajit, let me start with who you are. Bibrajit is the CEO of Safe AI. He's an industry expert for self-driving vehicles, autonomous robotics, artificial intelligence, and deep learning. And the reason why you have to be listening to this episode is he has almost 17 years of experience in the field of autonomous robotics. And before Safe AI, he has worked at several top organizations, be it Caterpillar, Ford, Apple, you name it, it's under his belt. And he's published a book on autonomous robotics and has 15 journal papers and over 35 patents. Wow, that's very impressive, Bibrajit. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, so let's get started with Safe AI. You know, as a startup entrepreneur, this is something that I'm quite sure you'll do even out of your sleep. How would you describe Safe AI to a layperson? Yeah, and I think the, just to kind of give you the context, you know, what we are doing, maybe just a quick one word, is that if you look at the mining and construction different use cases, they use a lot of this equipment, the vehicle, the dozer, loader. We add the software to that and hardware and software to the vehicle, retrofit that and make it fully autonomous. So what does that mean? We take the operator out of the harm's way and make the machine run by itself. So you get your job done by completely our solution. So that's that's what we are doing. So basically, you're using autonomous technologies to enable equipment owners to transform existing machines into self-operating robotic assets. Is that right? That's right. That's amazing. So congratulations. A recent article on Business Insider quoted you as one of the most uh, you know, potential-based uh, 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 startups out there out of seven different startups. How does it feel when people start recognizing you as one of those cutting-edge startups in this field? I mean, I would not put quite that way. I think this is, we, we are three years into it. You know, we got a long ways to go. And think maybe just to give you a kind of broad sense of it, right? You know, this whole autonomous thing has been going on actually back in the days, almost in the 90s. And a lot of people don't know autonomous is actually not today's thing. And obviously that time it was back in the research area, right? Fast forward 2003, this is where, you know, DARPA grant challenge happened. And this is what kind of think about it came out of the research lab and sprung into a you know, commercial, if you will. 
when Darpa Grand Challenge is successful, this mining and construction industry picked it up. They always understood the benefit of having this machine drive by itself to so it become more safer. And then fast forward 2009, 2010, Google picked it up. So Google always realized there is a huge value to that. And then Google picked it up. Looking at Google, all the OEM get excited, right? Why is Google spending so much of money doing that? Then the self-driving car picked it up around 2014 or so, right? And since then, it is a great journey, right? You see all this discussion about self-driving car, autonomous equipment, robotaxi, you name it. But last five years or so, there is an immense amount of dollar went in. So now if you're going to look into, you know, put Safia into the journey, think about we are kind of solving one piece of the puzzle and we are kind of all in it, right? So it's not like you're the cutting edge versus that, but you're, we are all in it and we are all trying our different use cases. And that's what Safia is doing. We are picking mining and construction as our use case to make this equipment autonomous. This will kind of give you the broader context of what's going on in autonomy. Absolutely, Bibrajit. Glad you've opened up your our perspectives on the entire field. Now tell me this, when you think about autonomous vehicles, AV, the first thing that comes to your mind is the passenger vehicle sector. What made you choose the construction and mining industry? I mean, yes, the, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk about self-driving car, passenger vehicle. That's the vehicle we're used to, right? We drive every day, we understand. But if you look at any technology, you know, technology first get into not in the mainstream, right? And if you think about mobile phone or internet, internet was not in the hand of everybody. It was in the hand of defense at the beginning. So very similarly, you want to think about autonomy for mining and construction. They're actually ahead of the curve just because their use case is so obvious. It's a constrained use case, a lot of dollar value. The value proposition is super high. So they actually made it autonomous in a production back in the days of 2014, before even self-driving came. So it is not that why am I choosing that? It is if you are sipped into this world for long enough, you know that's the obvious go-to market for anybody. So I think that's the it's more obvious than it seems like a counterintuitive. So and we will see mining, construction, agriculture will see self-driving a lot more and a lot earlier than the self-driving car. You know, one of the questions that always comes to our mind is, is AI going to replace humans? How is that going to affect the workforce? What is your perspective on the future of our workforce? I mean, that's a, you know, that's a pretty, it could be a pretty loaded and also the deep question, if you will, because it's got nothing to do with the safe AI. This is more fundamental question, right? Is AI going to be smarter than us? And I think the way you want to look at, you know, it will sound wrong, but how smart really we are, right? Like, what do we do on a day-to-day -day basis? How much smartness does it need? And not AI is going to be win over the whole thing. The question is that, does it most of look like pretty mundane? Like, if you think about the driving vehicle, I'll give you an example and a little bit of story. Like, you know, we have invent, you know, invented, when it's a we in a humanity, elevator long back. Right, we had the elevator going on. You know, we had an elevator person in the elevator to press the button so that you feel comfortable. And that you feel, you feel safe, right? There's somebody out there. Because the argument was that it was not safe. And that person was left in the elevator for 40 years. After 40 years of running it, then people realize it is just a waste of money and we don't really need it. And and somebody, if you go to an elevator and you say elevator person is sitting there to you will laugh at it. Like, why are you there? I can press my button, right? Think about fast forward 40, 60, 70, whatever years you want to do. People will laugh at us that why are you guys even driving the vehicle? 
you guys are lousy at it you are unsafe you do a bad job it's waste of your time so now you want to expand that idea right that a lot of the thing we do today fundamentally are not needed the uh, capacity that human has so why would you even do that i think if you turn that around in that way i know you know job is a one question but are we doing what we are supposed to do with our capacity as a human i think we are not so that i think that's where ai comes in slowly take away the part we shouldn't be doing you want to look at that way does it have a immediate impact on the job absolutely but uh, that's kind of the broader sense of looking at that problem so it's not something that you have to fear that it's going to replace our jobs but more like focus helps us focus on more productive things rather than trying to do the same mundane things every single day absolutely how did you coin the name safe ai i mean it is a technical term so i think what what you are getting at that's also very deep understanding right if you look at today's ai what do you use ai for like if you pick up your phone maybe it's completing your words you know auto complete your words maybe it is tagging your photo right think about all those ai application if ai gets it wrong big deal right you get annoyed but tomorrow ai is going to drive your car so if you kind of broadly think about you're going to be sitting in the car your kids are going to be sitting in the car and car is going to drive by ai that ai better be safe there is no room for oh i got it wrong it is a funny joke right tomorrow ai is going to be your driver your lawyer your accountant your everything right those are your life critical decision so if ai is making those life critical decision for you as we progress you want that ai to be safe so that's really what the safe ai comes in and as a world and as a open problem how do you make ai safe so that's where the name came from that's very impressive and i agree with you in terms of putting our life and control to some autonomous you know robotic vehicle there's a there's a lot of resistance in that fact right but if you think back you like there are you know planes now fly on autopilot mode you know you have somebody with the control if things go wrong but there is a, a streamlined way of doing things and people are now accepting that absolutely and i think the penetration of smart devices is making people more comfortable when you have your googles and alexas doing things that you want to do for want them to be done i think it's it's penetrating into our household without even our knowledge that's right all right so let's talk about safe ai ai again you've done a lot of recent partnerships beat with obayashi corporation or fundamental what do you how do you see these strategic partnerships benefiting the world of ai yeah i think there is a i mean we deeply believe in partnership what is that mean is that you know if you want to make a autonomous application actually doing the job we are not doing autonomy for the sake of autonomy right we are saying that we are going to go to a construction site and going to automate the whole equipment it's a complete ecosystem change it's not just a we are adding a technology to the industry right it will fundamentally change the way construction get done and you are not going to be the change by doing alone you need everybody on your side if you mention obayashi obayashi is the end user right they are the construction they are a 5 or 6 billion dollar company they are the one does the construction you need them as a partner you need everybody as a partner to actually deliver it this is not a one person or one company's job so we are you know deeply believe in the partnership and i think recently we also made an announcement with goodyear like you will think goodyear is a tire company we made a partnership because everybody brings their expertise and that's the way the industry will move now that's very impressive and congratulations on your continued partnerships and i believe in these 
you know, strategic partnerships that will benefit all of us rather than working in our own silos and trying to recreate everything through proprietary technology. Absolutely. With that being said, I have a live listener whom I wanted to acknowledge. We have Anubhat, who's joining us from New Jersey. Hi, Anu. Welcome to the show. So let's talk about the proprietary technologies. I know you had a recent article where you focused on how companies need to partner. But how do you see like the big companies like Google or Ford? Are they open to partnerships with startups like you? Or what kind of challenges are you seeing in that arena? I think, you know, if you look at passenger, you touched upon the passenger, right? I mean, Ford already partnered with Argo, right? You know, every I think every OEM has a partner. So I think are they open to partnership? Absolutely. Because, you know, the, even if you're broader, if you look at the technology is moving so fast, you cannot just have expertise, everything under your one roof. So you need to partner. So you mentioned Ford, Ford definitely is partnering, right? Even Google partnered with OEM, right? Waymo partnered with the Chrysler and other. So I think partnership is, again, is very obvious. You want to partner with people who complement your expertise. And we all are, you know, maybe Google, Apple is a too big company, but beside Google, Apple, we all are kind of experts in one zone, if you will. We definitely need partnership. That's very impressive. So tell us about your funding structure. What's some recent news that you're willing to share with our listeners? I mean, typical, usually, I mean, we have done our seed round. I mean, it's a VC funded. That's the first thing. And one thing I think maybe it's a broader context is that you don't need to be always VC funded, right? You could, there is a lot of funding opportunity out there. VC is a one avenue, if you will. So we have chosen VC funded, obviously, because, you know, our need for initial capital investment is pretty high before we see the results, right? Autonomy takes a lot of lot of capital initiate initial. So yeah, we are VC funded, both from the financial VC and our strategic VC. So depending on uh, difference, if you if just for your audience, financial VC, basically, they're interested in the financial return. And strategic VCs that they're investing on you, that they also like what you're doing and they can actually use your work in their you know existing business, if you will. So that's the difference. So we have both of them part of our portfolio. Was there a, a recent accomplishment that you're willing to share as you've spoken to your VCs as part of your funding model? I mean, we closed our seed round almost a year and a half ago. We did another round last year, which was timing-wise helped us because just before COVID hit. So I think it's a it's a really it's a belief, right? I mean, if it's a pulling people around your vision and they believe in the same vision you have and they see the value and they want to be part of it. And I think that's really the core core part of it, right? You want to bring people into this journey and the only people will come to the journey who see the same vision. I think that's kind of the broader context of it. That's very true. So how does it feel when you go to VCs and pitch your ideas and asking this specifically because there could be a lot of listeners who are interested in the startup field, but might have some might benefit from some tips from you on how do you pitch yourself or your company's idea? What's something that's worked well for you? We are just starting, so I don't want to go ahead of ourselves that we know the tips and th so I would not, you know, there is no tips from our side, right? And uh, to be honest, we are still learning to be, but I think the fundamentally the way you want to think about if you're really solving a problem and if the problem is big enough and if you can get enough people excited about the problem, money will come. Because it's, I think the one context you want to understand that there is no shortage of money. Like there are people whose job is to invest. There are trillions of dollars, billions of dollars sitting there to invest. The only thing they're looking for is that, is the idea good enough? 
so if you don't get the money that means that your idea is not exciting enough or you haven't articulated it well enough but money is not the problem because we got enough money in the world right they want to invest right think about 8 out of 10 company goes down after investment so they already are investing on idea that doesn't fulfill or go so they are willing to take the risk but you have to make them excited enough that's really the why do you think that solving that problem is worth and why you should be the one solving that particular problem what excites you to be part of the safe ai's vision every single day i mean i have been doing autonomy for a long time so it's almost like a natural progression really but if you think about i have done that last time around you know we as i said right in the mining and construction autonomy is already in production it's not a science fiction but you, we want to develop that further and we want to kind of make it more accessible to more people i think any technology goes through this transition right as i mentioned mobile phone uh, internet every technology you see it was not accessible to everybody then the cost goes down your technology improves and everybody get to access and that's really our mission is right we autonomy is definitely there we want to reduce the cost make it more accessible make it more better and so that lot more people can access it so do you see your focus which is currently in the mining and construction industry do you see that expand to other industries or categories in the long term i mean obviously we we are we need to focus so mining construction is definitely but also mining construction is massive how big of an industry is it if you can it is, it is like close to i mean they do it i mean if you took construction alone they do a 3 trillion dollar business right this is your biggest gdp of your world so if you look at your any 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 country's construction infrastructure construction that's where a big portion of the gdp goes so this is a massive industry and if you can and this is changing their underlying how do they do construction or how do they mine right so this is a massive industry there is a close to 70 to 100 billion dollar money you can make just in you know, us making it autonomous so are we going to look around i think no right this is you can make a a saw you know really tangible impact to the society and this world just being there so we we plan to stay there and not only we plan to stay there we think that's how it will play out because once you become experts in the let's say i do autonomy in mining construction somebody does in the robot taxi somebody does in the truck they will stay there because it takes a lot of time and expertise to be honing out the detail on that particular vertical and are these technologies interchangeable like what works in one industry can that be repurposed into another industry it does it does lot of those but those the repurposable part is not the delta so the delta is that have i taken those so you want to think about let me pause there you want to think about autonomy as a tool autonomy is not the end of the you know end of the solution now you're saying what do you want to do with autonomy i want to go from point a to point b i want to get my grocery come to me or i want to move dirt so the delta is not is autonomy one different from other underlying technology is same have i perfected that tool for my use case and that's where the delta will come from that's pretty cool thank you so much for giving us analogies so we can really understand uh, the technology behind each of these uh, you know different uh, things that you're saying now let's talk let's take a look back and reflect on your career journey because that's another dimension that i want to unveil for our listeners so you have pretty impressive set of degrees be it your masters or your phd did you always wanted to do what you've been doing or when did that spark happen to follow this path of ai 
I mean, for me, I mean, if you look back, everything looks like a, but you know, you kind of in life, you accumulate, right? And obviously when you look back 10, 20, 30 years back, it looks like, oh my God, so much, but it's really very linearly accumulating, right? I have been doing, so kind of go back to my history, right? I did my, I grew up in India, Calcutta. Uh, I did my undergrad on mechanical engineering from BIT Meshra in Rachi. And when, then I moved to do, you know, moved to US to do my masters, right? I got into, you know, robotics back then. And robotics, and th that is literally about the time an autonomous technology was just coming in. So this is where yourself, you know, your Tapper Grand Challenge happened. So it's a bit of a timing. Obviously, robotics, autonomous vehicle just kind of gets in. And I got in there, you know, not by any reason. I, obviously, I like robot. I like the technology part of it. And for me, since then, it is really, I've been doing the same thing for the last 17 years, right? It just happened to be this technology has been also exciting for everybody else. So there's a lot of you know technology you can do that you do it in your PhD and it dies in there, then you go do something else. For my case, it just happened to be that continues to be the interest of the society and I continue to do that if you do. So it's a very linear progression. I will not say any sudden change. It just, I've been kind of building on top of it, if you will. And I'm glad we have champions like you who are working in this field to make AI more safe, more ethical and more accessible to all of us. So if I may ask you, if you look back at your journey so far, what advice would you have for your younger self if there are any changes you want to make back in your life? I mean, absolutely, right? I mean, I would think even a lot of things, you don't know most of the thing. That's the thing, that's the problem, right? I mean, you know, you don't know most of the thing when you are, you know, if you could see 10 years ahead of you, that just makes it so much, I think. I mean, you know, just to give you a little bit of personal personal background, right? My my brother is about you know a little bit you know ten to you know nine to ten years ahead of me, if you will. That that kind of having a look ahead point is always helpful. So you want to be in a position where you are not getting the information or the perspective only from your peers. You want to have a look ahead point at least 10, 15 years ahead of you. You want to kind of anchor. I mean, somebody you trust, obviously, but you want to anchor around that because you will never know what you don't know, you know, what will take you 10 years, you will know, you will never know that. And you you will you will have that anchor in front of you or look ahead point if you will, and you almost want to believe in a blind way. Because if you want to rationalize that information, okay, I'm saying this thing, I'm saying, is it real? You won't be able to rationalize it. You almost have to have a trusted look ahead point and almost believe it blindly. I think I always had that, that was useful for me. I think that's one thing I'll say. It's not about what can I do right, because I'm not. I'm doing a lot of things wrong today, right? Even today, I'm doing a lot of things right. I know if I look at it ten years from now, people, I look, I do look at, right? That's why I try to course correct. But that's kind of maybe my one thing about try to find people outside your immediate peer group. That's right. Having that kind of a support system as well as a network of people that you can look into. And I can understand as a startup entrepreneur, you're so engrossed in your day-to-day -day job and looking at what's next for your company. So it's it's nice to have that, you know, that anchor point as you rightly pointed out. Absolutely. I think that's just in general, right? Because we are so much, you know, our day-to-day -day life, what we are doing, our peers, our friends, our school, that we think that's the world. But you know, the moment you talk to 10, 10 somebody who is 10, 15 years ahead of you, you'll get a different perspective. You know, just being open to those ideas, that's a huge challenge, right? Uh, open in to... terms of, I will say open, you want to be almost, like I'll give you an example, right? 
like when you are 40 you think about career is a big thing how do i move how do i do this thing you are doing all. but if you talk to somebody who is let's say 55 they will say no no that's not the most important health is the most important but you are going to ignore the health at 40 because you think that's not important but the moment you go to you talk to somebody who's 55 they say nothing is more important than your health go to the gym rather than working on your next pilot project but at 40 you think that is counterintuitive why don't i do another project make my career move but that's not really what you need today you need to go to the gym but at 40 you will not realize that so i think this is you want to almost tell to you know so that's just a simple example but i think that you need the look ahead point so how do you ground yourself in terms of self care for yourself i mean it's a, it's a lot of work you all as i said you we all hear that we just don't do we just have to go and do it right i mean i mean you are doing a lot of hard work right you are running this thing or running your work and you think that is the most important you are not taking time to eat well health because you think okay i'll do it later but later doesn't i'm just, again that's one example but i think you just have to pull yourself back listen to this advice that coming from 10 15 20 years ahead of you the people who trust and and sometimes blindly follow even if your head doesn't understand why just blindly follow you know that's very true bibrajit because i've interviewed 75 plus leaders like you on this podcast and every single time when i'm talking to people who have reached a certain level be it the c suite or an entrepreneur like you emotional well being physical fitness spiritual well being those are the three dimensions that everybody consistently talks about it's not about the money that you make or you know the big house or the lavish or fancy car that you're driving it's more about the inner peace i think that's what everybody craves for at at a certain point in life and it's good to start that realization at a younger age so tell us about ai in terms of what are some hiring trends that you're seeing uh, you know what are you personally looking at uh, from safe ai standpoint as well so i think definitely ai is a big technology right it is going on so if you are thinking from the career point of view you want to learn the you know really ins and outs of the ai so i think one thing you know maybe answer to your second question what we are looking for we are constantly looking for good ai people like the people who can who understand the math who can develop the model who can implement it take it to the production actually use it so any of the area if you are good we are looking for great people right and there are just not enough people in the world who knows enough, you know who knows it so there is a scarcity of ai talent and you heard that all the time i think if you are learning I, one thing i would kind of maybe and i do it myself as well like you want to learn the basics i think what you don't want to do you don't want to be like just learning on the top like take few course and you think you know and that's almost like a trap right then that doesn't benefit you that benefit the people who are developing the courses and selling you that just as a make you feel you are learning think about you know you're eating the burger right or some fast food or something like that it really not fulfilling fulfilling like really not giving you the nutrition you need think about same way ai you don't want to just learn on the top and you think i know and now you go at it it will immediately get exposed that you don't know you want to be spend your little bit of time understand the background get the gist of it and if you do it i think as i said there is a extreme scarcity of ai talent in the world you know you will have no problem finding the right company you will literally walk into whatever you want to walk into but you want to understand the like the fundamentals if you will it's good to be, see the supply demand aspect in the ai field are there specific courses or you know things that people need to be aware of to 
have a better understanding of the fundamentals of AI that you could recommend? I mean, I don't have anything on top of my mind. I can share it, but it's literally there are probably five to ten basics, you know, basic books out there. I can and I I'll, I can share with you on the feed. You just pick up this book and learn. I mean, awesome. I learned the best learning you know from the book. If you if you learn from the courses, there are some good courses there too. But again, what you don't want to do, you don't want to get stuck in a wrong courses. Who anybody is saying, oh, I will teach you AI without learning you math. They are fooling you, right? You know the fundamental blocks need to be in place. Yeah, right? they are fooling themselves. They are fooling you. They are making you feel like it's so easy. Right. There and is we'll, a, and we'll definitely get the resources from Bibrajit and drop it as part of our episode notes as well. Now tell us this, Bibrajit. We look at uh, AI or even STEM general, the pipeline. What advice would you have for women, especially who want to create a mark for themselves in the field of AI? So I'm probably not the best, you know, best advocate or best experience, if you will, for that. I don't think I have a specific for women because I say I don't have the experience and understanding, right? I would not try to go there, but I'll re reiterate the same thing. Like really focus on the fundamental because I think one thing you are going to get swept away, and this is very dangerous today in the technology, not just AI, anything. They make it look very simple. They make it look like, oh, you can immediately catch it. But actually, the complexity is very deep. So what happened? You think you are going to learn. You learn a little bit. You spend your time and energy. Then when you go out in the job market, you're not getting the feedback that, OK, how come I'm not getting everybody's getting? Because when you actually want to implement, somebody wants to hire you or some, you want to actually implement, then the difference, whether you know it as a surface or you know it, know it fundamental, immediately shows up. And that's the difference. And you, unless you know that, you will be always kind of spinning your wheel in the wrong places, if you will. You know, that's great advice for anybody who is starting up with the field of AI. So thank you so much for talking about your personal journey, your career pivots, as well as about safe AI and what the future is going to look like. And we wish you all the very best as you continue with your endeavors to create a better, better society through AI. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So we have a fun rapid fire round for you. Are you ready for it? Sure. So you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following, if possible, in one word. Who is your role model? One word, I would say book. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I've been reading books. I think I would not say role model, more like shaping my thinking. So I think I'll give you one example. When I was at seventh grade, I, I think we had an article about Rabindranath Tagore about education. Right. And I think that shaped my whole education idea. Like basically, Rabindranath's whole idea was that what you learn in the school is not really the useful part of education. And that takes my whole, I mean, you know how India is, right? Extreme pressure on education. And seventh grade, I literally just give me such a pleasure. Like I never worried about education anymore. Because I had this idea if Rabindranath is saying that what you learn in the school is not useful, what am I to, you know? go against Rabindranath, right? And for your author, I mean, for your audience, you can put probably a little bit of context. Same way, I think book always been shaping, shaping kind of my thinking. And this also goes back to the look ahead point, right? Like Rabindranath is not today's generation, right? He came from different generation thinking differently, but that gives you the perspective. That some are, so I think that's just to give you a sense. So I think book definitely shaped my thinking along the way. Books are the best companions, right? They take you to a different world and open up wide avenues for us to introspect too. How do you define happiness, Bibrajit? I mean, that's a very deep question. <laughs> you know, I think going back to your original thing, I think 
when you say happiness, you want to be peaceful. You know, you want to be healthy because without a health, you know, if you're not healthy, your thinking is always going to be, I think the third part and, you know, I'm learning as well. Third part is like the people who are close to you, do they have a good, you know, overall good experience about you? I think if you can hit those three parts, I think that will sum up happiness in a broad way. I'm not trying to, this is a deeper question, but that's kind of three main element in my head. How do you see success at the end of the day? I think, you know, if we're 20, you know, if, like when you are early on, right, you think I want to get to engineering college, I want to do this. I think by the time you come to a certain point, if you realize if you can almost detach your external, you know, whatever you are achieving externally versus what you feel, I think with the more you can detach to yourself, I think that that will be the more success because you don't want to be, you don't want to be have your success beholden by the external world, be it a good or bad. I think if you can achieve that, that will be a, I consider that to be a success, right? We cannot always do that, but I think that will be success in my mind, right? Great. What's one fun thing about Bibrajit? which could be shared exclusively with our Karib Startup Leadership Podcast listeners? I don't know what fun thing, but let's see what do I do today. So, I mean, I have a four-year-old daughter. One thing we do, I, I read a lot of, like a very advanced book to her. So I think one thing I did is like, forget about the kid's book, start reading super advanced book. That got nothing to do with the four-year-old. So there's no peer pressure there? I think just, and she just actually picked up that much better than, you know, the kids' books. I think that's a fun thing. I mean, I I enjoy that process of seeing it through her her eyes of those, you know, really like these are advanced book, but see how she react to that. I think that's a fun fun experience I'm going through. So, what are you saying in terms of reactions? Is she liking it? I think not only she's liking it. Kind of questions she's asking is like, okay, these are not actually hard hard. This is fundamental questions, right? Like again, going back to I'm going to use the same like Rabindranath. Like this is a very deeper book, but she's asking, understanding. I think one of the book I'm reading is a Sapiens. I don't know if you know, Sapiens has come up with a cartoon version of it, if you will, right? That's pretty cool. That book is actually obviously not meant for four-year-old kid, but she picking up a lot more than I thought she would. That's awesome. One last question to you. What is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? So, I mean, I speak Bengali, so I, I, I came from Calcutta, so I'm, I'm born and born, brought up in Bengali and went to school. Uh, one word to describe me in Bengali? Uh-huh. I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I didn't think about that. So, I don't... How do you describe, in English, do you, how do you see yourself or your family sees you? I think I'm pretty relaxed. Maybe relaxed is the word. I take things pretty pretty calmly because I have like a broader perspective always like you know it's not don't take it things too too seriously I think that may be relaxed maybe the word I can use you know that's a nice trait for a startup entrepreneur being chilled out that's right you, you do have to be I think uh, you know you have to kind of understand that what you have being alive you know being not worried about food you, you are you're pretty healthy I think that's a pretty good start you know, everything else can, you know, just a wait. jump out, if you will. That's impressive. Thank you so much. This was a fun rapid fire round and, you know, very introspecting as well. Some of the things that we discussed about. Do you have any parting thoughts to our listeners? 
I think one thing I would say, you know, you know, obviously I'm in a Silicon Valley and, and I kind of sipped into the technology what's going in and out. One thing definitely I'm seeing that technology is moving at an unprecedented speed. You know, we all know technology is part of our life. I think it is about to get into a second gear, next gear, if you will. It will not be part of your life. It will run your life. And so if you have anything to do with technology, I think this is an amazingly opportunistic time. This, we are just about to get started. So one thing I feel like if I were 20 years old, it would be good because I would have long more time. But so if you have anything to do with technology, just embrace yourself, learn as much as you can. And because it is about to get into a second next gear that you will not even know. Obviously, we're in Silicon Valley, we're exposed to that. So that's the one thought I would give, like really get exposed to what's going on technology. It's about to take on a different journey pretty soon. That's very amazing. And anything else before we wrap up this episode? No, this is good. Thank you for organizing this thing. You are doing an amazing job. And I think we want to see more and more of this, you know, and, uh, you know, I think this is what you're doing and you're amazing. You're hosting this thing. You did a great job. So really thanks for hosting me and, and the effort and the time you're putting on doing this. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we love spotlighting stories from the Asian diaspora and bringing in guests from different walks of life who can inspire us as well as open up our perspectives on what the future beholds. Awesome. Thank you so much, Vibrajit. We have a comment from one of our listeners, Anubhat, who says, thanks so much for that interesting episode. And uh, yeah, I've really learned a lot in terms of key takeaways on our 78th episode of Karib Startup Leadership Podcast with Vibrajit Halder, who's the CEO of Safe AI. One from a life perspective, you know, being that relaxed, chilled out entrepreneur serves you well in the long run. And two, the field of AI is booming. So if you're looking for opportunities, make sure you learn the fundamentals well so you can negotiate your way into the field of AI. And three, and the most important of all, happiness counts in small ways and be grateful for smaller things in life and uh, you know things will fall into place. And that's something that I've consistently learned from a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs like Vibrajit. So take that advice to heart in this holiday season. Thank you. Thank you, Priyanka, for having me. Thank you so much again. And awesome. thank you so much, Bibrajit. We wish you all the very best and hope your uh, daughter continues to feel inspired by seeing you as a role model and uh, making this world a better place as part of our part of her upbringing, too. Thanks. Thanks, Priyanka. Awesome. So, to our listeners, thank you so much. Until another episode that's going to happen tomorrow at noon Eastern, this is your host, Priyanka Gomla, signing off from Karib Startup Leadership Podcast a podcast to spotlight world-class Asian leaders, entrepreneurs, C-suite executives to inspire you with your candid journey. Have a great day, guys. Mm -hmm.